0: But one of my most memorable experience, and I think that, if anything, this is why it was all worth it, was because I was able to put on my own produ- production, which I don't necessarily would have, I don't think that would have happened if I had stayed in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was actually for Color Girls. Um, oh, yes. yes. <laughs> so at the time, um, I remember one of my professors introduced me to for color girls the play so this was way before the movie Mm -hmm. and at the time i had never heard of for color girls um so she introduced me to it and i it was very important for me to put on the show at that time um kind of like how i felt in many ways i think i felt called to come to go to london i felt this Strong desire that would not leave um, until I was there, and so it was the same for for color girls. It was I had to do that. Won't
1: you come along with me? Hello, hello! Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad: Perspectives on Studying Abroad from Past and Present Students of Color. My name is Danielle and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Brittany as the guest. Brittany is an author of children's literature and she's also from Louisville, Kentucky and is based there as well which I think is really awesome because as I've mentioned previously on the show Louisville is where my family's from, where my mom's side is from and I was so excited when I found Brittany because I would get a chance to interview someone from Louisville again without having to mind my family for guests. (laughs) I feel like they've been gracious enough. Uh, You might remember my cousin Kayla from episode one, my other cousin Jaquay from episode six, and my aunt Faye from episode 29. There might be more in the future, who knows, but that's beside the point. The point is that... I was able to interview yet another talented, phenomenal person from Louisville and Brittany is that person. So, as I mentioned, Brittany is an author now, but her pursuit of the arts actually started with theater. And she even earned her bachelor's degree in drama in London, uh, in the UK. (laughs) that one in the UK. So (laughs) she started out at an HBCU in North Carolina and because she had been drawn to the UK from a really young age, she decided that she wanted to study drama in London for a year and so she found a way to do that. But that year went by so quickly and she felt like there was still so much more she could do and learn and explore that she decided to actually transfer from her HBCU in North Carolina to Kingston University, which is the name of the university that she was at in London, and became a fully fledged international student there, and ended up spending just shy of four years in London total. So we talked about how Brittany spent her time while living in London, and in the uk and europe more generally and also what she studied in her drama classes some of the advantages she was able to have by virtue of being at kingston and also the process of transferring from studying abroad there to becoming a degree seeking student at that institution and we also talked about how studying drama in london actually played a pivotal role in britney becoming the children's author that she is today i was really interested in that trajectory and knowing how that all came about but as she explained it to me it was actually a very natural progression from then to now (laughs) because her theater background and a passion that she discovered for writing and her experience with kids and her love of kids came together in these really fascinating ways and it led her to writing picture books and middle grade books for children so i'm looking forward to having y'all hear how that happened for her and i think if you are interested in getting a degree abroad or becoming an author i think this episode will prove to be very informative and very encouraging and of course the conversation is just really heartwarming all around so without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my friend Brittany Thurman I'm I'm great actually I was really excited to talk to you because um the only people who are from Louisville that I've interviewed on this podcast so far are um, my relatives, and it's mm-hmm. been a couple of years. It's nice to be able to talk to someone from Louisville uh, again, so <laughs> thanks for being here and agreeing to be a guest.
0: <laughs> yeah, no problem. I I feel the same way um, because it's been so long Like since I lived in Louisville, and when I was away, I would never you know, meet people who are actually from Louisville also. So it's always great to talk to someone who's from Louisville too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I do want to make it clear, um, just, just so there's no misunderstanding. I myself am not, uh, from Louisville, unfortunately, but uh-huh. my mom's family is. So oh, like, okay. I've been going there multiple times a year since I've been alive. So I have a very strong connection to the city, even though it's yeah. not, I can't claim it, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm really glad that you're here. I appreciate you agreeing to be a guest, and uh, I'm excited to learn about your um, adventures in London. So uh, why don't we get started with you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind.
0: So I'm Brittany J. Thurman. Um, I'm a graduate of Carnegie Mellon University, where I studied dramatic writing, and Kingston University London, where I studied theater. Um, so I'm originally from Louisville, Kentucky, but I've lived a multitude of places from North Carolina to Pittsburgh when I was very, very young. I lived in Germany, but I don't remember anything from that experience. Mm. Um, so travel has always been very much a major part of my life. I'm currently, well now, I'm an author of children's literature, so I write picture books in middle grade for young children, and I have a picture book forthcoming next year.
1: Wow. Well, early congratulations to you. That's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Got a lot to look forward to, so that's wonderful. If you don't mind me asking, were you in a military family? Is that why you moved around so much? Okay. I was. Okay. (laughs) That makes sense. Because I remember I was looking through, uh, I think it was your website, and I think it was something in your about me saying you got the travel bug when you were a toddler. And I was like, oh, okay, what, what's that about? <laughs>
0: yeah, and I wish, you know, it's, I have, like, no memories from when I was a toddler. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, but besides that, like, my family has always been very big on travel and just experiencing the world outside of, you know, our own home.
1: Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, you had that, um, I guess that value instilled in you early. So, as you mentioned, you, uh, studied theater in London. Can you talk about what led you to, uh, make that decision and why London, of all places? Yeah. So,
0: um, I think ultimately from a very young age, I always felt drawn to, the United Kingdom for some reason. I don't particularly know why. When I was super young in elementary school, I had like an obsession with the Titanic. I just was, <laughs> I was obsessed. Um, so that's one reason. But um, when I was a freshman, I started off freshman year at the school um, here in the States. So I went to North Carolina Central University. I went to North Carolina Central because I felt like that was what was expected of me um, at the time. And it also felt like my only option at the time. A lot of kids um, leaving high school, they are very invested in studying, like where they're going to go, what school they're going to go to. And for me, it was just like, I, I just, chose any place basically. Hmm. Um, and so NCCU is a great school. It's an HBCU, but once I started at Central, I realized that it wasn't the school for me. Um, it felt as if I wasn't being challenged enough. And I guess my family has always instilled in me, um, this aspect of being challenged. And Hmm. for me, it felt like, unfortunately felt like high school 2.0 it just was not the experience um so i remember seeing a study abroad poster and wanting to know more about how i could go from okay studying at central to studying in the united kingdom the poster was for a school that was probably three hours away from London, and I knew that I wanted specifically a London experience. And so from what I remember, I went to a study abroad officer to talk more about how I could kind of have this study abroad experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was early 2006. So some of it is very hard for me to remember because it was oh, you know, okay. a long time ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember going to this person and saying, you know, I want to study in London. I was given the option, okay, do you want to study for a semester or a year? And I felt that a semester was way too short and a year would be better for me. And at the time, I didn't know that I would extend my study abroad experience because a year was not long enough.
1: Mm. So that's how um, you decided to go to London and to go for a year at first. Um, Yes. Were you already studying theater before you decided to go to London?
0: Yeah, I was. So um, in high school, I studied theater at North Carolina Central. For some reason, I don't remember a theater class I probably was, but I think that's part of the problem that I wasn't being challenged because I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) so, um, but yeah, from a very young age, like theater has always been like a huge, like love of mine. I'm not, I'm not an actress and I'm, I definitely was not the best actress when I was studying theater, but I've always loved performance and the stage. And so I wanted, I knew that I wanted that to also be part of my experience when I studied abroad. And that was another major uh, reason why I chose London because I knew if I'm going to study theater, then it needs to be in London. It couldn't
1: really be anyplace else. Mm -hmm. I see. And so the advisor you talked to somehow um, made you aware of Kingston as an option. Yes. And that's where you ended up going um, in London. Okay. From what I
0: remember, I think that you – there were different options. So I could have studied abroad and had a host family, but that wasn't what I wanted. Hmm. And I remember my first semester was strictly, um, I was in a program in classes where my study abroad, the other students who were studying abroad were in those classes with me. Hmm. Um, So I would go to my like drama and theater class, but for the bulk of that first semester, it was being in a room with the other students as well, we would um, also take trips across the United Kingdom um that first semester, too. Um, So we went to Stonehenge, we went to Bath, and we went to Brighton. And then the second semester was, okay, you're on your own. I guess they kind of like just turned us loose like we were just (laughs) on our own to do our own thing but then like specifically okay these you can take your classes as you would if you were a student here in the United
1: Kingdom I see yeah so you had like a semester to gain your bearings along with the other study abroad students and then yes second semester it was like be on your own do your own thing (laughs) okay yes I see Um, Can you tell me about Kingston? I've never heard of, I mean, I'm not an expert on universities in the UK in the first place, but I've never heard of Kingston. I don't know much or anything about it. Can you uh, tell me about what that school was like? Yeah.
0: So Kingston is about 25 minutes, if I remember, um, outside of central London. So, you know, central London, you have like Buckingham Palace, you have Uh, Westminster Abbey, you have like those major attractions and images that you think about when you think of London but Kingston was about 25 minutes by train outside of London so you really kind of got um, you were able to have the city experience but then also you could like explore this other aspect of living in the UK without living directly in the middle of the city. Mm. I was at the Pendron Rose campus or Ken Hill campus I can't remember but it was a basically a huge campus spread across Kingston upon Thames and I'm trying to remember so <laughs> <laughs> um I remember that I had classes in a old historical building that was specifically dedicated to theater, mm. but it was just your typical, like, university campus, so you had, um, buildings that were for specific subjects. One thing I don't remember is there being, like, a dining hall. I think that, um, at the time in the UK, it was, okay, like, you can eat at certain restaurants, and you eat on your own. Mm. Yeah, so it was just this typical school. I don't know. I wish that, um, My memories are kind of foggy, (laughs) Mm, so but yeah, but I do remember that I, even though I've lived um, within like walking distance of the campus, like I would have to still take the bus to get there Mm because things were kind of spread out. I see,
1: okay. And as far as theater goes, I was a theater kid in high school, but I didn't like go on to study theater in university, so I don't know what it's like to be. like an actual theater student. Can can you describe what it was like studying theater in London? Like what kinds of classes you were taking, taking and, and if being in London affected any expectations you had in terms of your growth as a, a theater student?
0: Yeah, so before I arrived, I didn't really so the theater program that I was a part of at Kingston was mainly theater theory. Hmm. Um, and when I was in high school, for instance, I came from a background of like theater performance. So I went from, you know, putting on plays or being in plays to learning the theory behind theater, in particular, particular, like, playwrights or theatrical artists Mm -hmm. and the development of theater in the UK. So it was kind of more like the history aspect of theater, which was, like, jarring for me because I wasn't... I was expecting more performance. And for that first year, that's not what happened. Right. For my second year, like we would have day long classes, like nine to three, dedicated to one specific class on devising theatrical performances, um, improv, and in particular, what I was studying was experimentation within theater, hmm. um, which I kind of grew to love. But I didn't realize going in that this is what my theater experience would be. Hmm. Um, But one of my most memorable experience, and I think that if anything, this is why it was all worth it. was because I was able to put on my own production, which I don't necessarily would have. I don't think that would have happened if I had stayed in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, But I felt the program was small enough for me to kind of experiment and develop my own play from like choosing the actors to devising the choreography. So it was vastly different from if I had stayed in the United States, I think if I had studied theater, it would have been performance. And in the UK, it was this is the history. This is the theory. And now go out and try to do the same thing.
1: Hmm. Wow, what an amazing opportunity that you got to you know, um, put on your own production. Um, I'm sure that took a lot of work, <laughs> which, you know, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know the, the, what is it called? All the aspects that go on behind <laughs> doing that. But, um, uh, what was it like, you know, putting on the show? I mean, how much time did you have to to put your show together and, and perform it or have it performed and all that?
0: So I think it was a semester. So the beginning, um, started with figuring out what show, um, I would put on, um, we went through the whole process of choosing actors, um, dance was part of this show, so we had to hire a choreographer, mm-hmm. um, so it was a semester-long project, and, um, the best thing throughout that project, but then also throughout my cerebral experience, was that my family, for certain parts of my experience, they were able to come over and for instance, my mom saw the play. Um, my grandmother and my mom would come for holidays. So, you know, I didn't feel all alone. Like they were able to come and see what I was doing, which right. made it worth it too.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of people, you know, when they study abroad somewhere, it's like, you know, they don't get to have their family mm-hmm. come visit, you know, but
0: yeah. that your family
1: got to come and see your show and just spend time with you. That's, that's really great.
0: Yeah. It, it's hard. Um, I'll, I'll probably talk about this later, but it was very difficult for me to be alone because I've always been very big on family, and so um, mm. it was important for for me to have them there, for me to show them like what I was experiencing. But then also, like I think I needed my family to kind of recharge and regroup and like collect myself. Mm. Um, so I'm really thankful that they were able to come to visit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, not to harp on the show that you put on, but uh, do you remember what it was about? Was it an original sh- uh, no. production that you came up with? No, so
0: it wasn't original. Um, So it was actually for Color Girls. Um, oh, yes. yes.
1: <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> yes. that. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I, I read the, mm. the book. So yeah, I love yeah. that show.
0: So at the time, um, I remember one of my professors introduced me to for color girls the play so this was way before the movie mm-hmm. and at the time I had never heard of for color girls um so she introduced me to it and I've it was very important for me to put on the show at that time um kind of like how I felt in many ways I think I felt called to come to go to London I felt this strong desire that would not leave um, until I was there. And so it was the same for for Color Girls. It was I had to do that. And it was a small production. So instead of having a full cast, there was only three of us doing this show. I think that we had to cut a couple of characters. But it was an enlightening experience, I think, for myself and then for the two other um, actors who were able to be part of the production with me because mm-hmm. I was also in it.
1: Yeah. So did – <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just had a in the of my head. So uh, since it was only, like, three of y'all in the show – well, you said you cut down characters. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, like, because there's so many different colors, like, people playing different colors. So I don't know if you, like, yeah. all had to rapid change your clothes to, to, um. to these different characters and different colors, but-
0: There's a poster in my apartment somewhere, and I can't find it. But I remember I was the woman in yellow. I think one of my friends was the woman in red, and my other friend was the woman in blue. I honestly cannot remember. Mm. I don't know if um, at one point maybe we used a scarf to represent another character. I also remember it being hard for me to find other people to perform in this production for some reason I'm not sure but yeah it was a very small
1: cast I see okay oh yeah well good on you for doing that um <laughs> doing that play yeah wow I had, I had really forgotten about it completely until you mentioned just yeah. now because I don't think I've heard people talk about For Color Girls since the movie came out and that I was know. a while ago. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes yeah people don't <laughs> talk about it since the movie but yeah so you know when I went to school it was 2006 and I can't exactly remember when the play was written, but I don't think it was very popular. It Mm. wasn't, you know, I haven't studied theater for a while, and it wasn't introduced to me until I went to um, Kingston University.
1: Wow. All right. So you mentioned how when you went for, uh, at first it was supposed to be a one-year program, and then you realized it wasn't enough. Is that because you just wanted to stay in London longer, or you wanted to see more of what um, your, your program at Kingston had to offer you. What about your experience made you want to stay longer?
0: I felt that my first year went by fast. Like, my first semester sped by. We were traveling a lot. It was – basically, it was like, okay, this is the fun aspect of your study abroad program. Like, this is your time to play, basically. That's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um And the first year sped by um, faster than what I thought. It seemed like um, I blinked, I looked up, and it was almost time for me to go. And I did not want to leave. I wasn't ready to come back to the States. I felt like I hadn't explored the UK enough. And I definitely hadn't explored um, Europe enough. Mm. And I felt that I would be missing out if I had left at that time. So I decided, I think a few months before my program was due to end, I decided to transfer. Um, so throughout my first year of staying abroad, technically I was still going to school at North Carolina Central, but I was just going to school in a different country. Mm-hmm. And um, I transferred from Central to King's University, but I had to go through the process that a student in the United Kingdom would have gone through if they were trying to go to university. So I had to basically apply from scratch oh, and, wow. you know, hope that they would accept me even though I was currently a student going to their school. And thankfully, they did... Um, accept me. But yeah, I felt that my program for that first year was going by too fast. I hadn't, I had not been in London enough to feel that I had done anything. And I felt that if I had come back to the States after that year, my memories from that experience would have basically like evaporated. It would mm-hmm. have been like, um, you know, I was there and now I'm back here and I wanted to stay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it would have been like almost like a dream that just fades away yes. too quickly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you so you went from being a study abroad student to being like an international student basically yes. at this university. Okay. Wow. You know, I hear you of people transferring here within the states, you know, to from one university to another within the states. Mm-hmm. Um but transferring from the states to the UK, that's, you know, that's that seems like quite an endeavor, you know. So um I feel like that's so brave of you that you Mm -hmm. went through that and not knowing if you would get accepted Mm -hmm. or not, but you still went for it. You know, that's so impressive.
0: (laughs) I think I was just hoping for the best. I think also um, I'm the type of person that likes to think like what's meant to be will be whatever happens, happens. So I also felt like, oh, well, if I don't get accepted, then I'll make the most out of my experience in the states but then also i knew that if i did not continue at kingston that i would probably transferred to a different school within the united states
1: mm. okay yeah so so basically you're um either way central was not going to be the, the place for you um after your program was over regardless of whether you got to stay in the uk or not you knew re- you were going to go to a different school yes okay yeah. so i mean you don't have to get into the nuts and bolts of of the process but I mean was it basically just a lot of paperwork or did you even have to take some sort of like test or something when you were saying how you had to apply from scratch to be accepted as an international student I mean what what was involved in that process so from what I remember
0: um it was the application uh for Kingston there might have been an essay but I didn't have to take any tests, like a test that a student in the United Kingdom would have taken. I did not have to take. I specifically remember them saying, okay, hey, you don't have to worry about that. But I think that my SAT may have applied. Um, okay. And then also, I believe that my year of studying in London had influence on my application.
1: Mhm. So that like worked in your favor since you were yes. already there. And you had already basically demonstrated that you were capable of, you know, being an active student in London and fulfilling that role. So Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you mentioned how, you know, with your family visiting you, it was very helpful because you, it helped like recharge you and whatnot. Were you feeling that way, like a little bit spent or maybe out of sorts? Did did that happen? Was that already in effect um, during your first year or was it after you had been there a little longer that you felt like you needed a connection from home to help you feel more like yourself.
0: So my first year felt like a breeze. Um
1: All like right, while my so yes, yeah.
0: yeah. So while my family did come, I think for like Christmas the first year, I can't remember that first year specifically like the details. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't feel homesick. I still needed them to come to like explore London with me, but it wasn't so much for me to be like re energized or refueled. Um, that didn't really come until like the second part of my second year, and okay. then like definitely into my third year, I started to feel some very intense homesickness to the point that it was kind of unbearable. Um, to the point that basically I felt that in many ways I was depressed because I. Really started to weigh on me that I was literally an ocean away from my family, mm-hmm. um, that I couldn't hop on a plane when things happened because unfortunately things did happen. And I think that that's the reality of studying abroad for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I went from being, you know, that study abroad student who was enjoying herself for that year to the in- international student who was working part time to also support the study abroad experience. Yeah. Um, so not only could I, I couldn't leave Kingston for a week to be with my family when things happened, And then I also couldn't leave my job because I had to have my job. So those things still um, weighed on me mm-hmm. and my family would come when they can't, when they could for holidays. And then also my mom came for an extended period of time, just, you know, for that, like moral support. Mm-hmm.
1: Were they supportive of your initial decision when you when you first uh, went to London? Were they supportive of your decision to uh, study abroad? Yeah,
0: they were. Um, I think it's because they knew I wasn't going to not study abroad.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they. I think that they knew that this was something that I wanted to do, and so if they had told me, like, we don't feel comfortable, or no, you're not going to do that, then they knew that I would have done it anyway. Mm -hmm. I think that they also, like, they had their reservations, but they didn't really let me see that side. It was Mm -hmm. more like, okay, we will support you for whatever you need. And so I'm, I'm glad that I didn't really see, like, the reservations that they had, because it probably would have deterred me from... Um, studying. But instead, I was just excited to go and wanted to be in London. I didn't have, you know, reservations about it.
1: Yeah. And it probably I mean, I, I can't speak for them. But I would imagine it's like, since you're already over there, it probably would have been nice for them when they came to visit to already have someone like you were there to show them around. And yes, and show them all the wonderful things that you discovered. And, you know, show them a city through your eyes, you know.
0: Yeah, it made it much different from just, like, us taking a family vacation to London. It was, you know, here are the secrets. Here's how we take the train. Here's the <laughs> shortcut, you know. Um, so it was a very, you know, different experience
1: for them. Yeah. Sure. You mentioned having a part-time job. Um, I'm wondering how else you tended to spend your time outside of class while you were living in London. Yeah, so... um
0: at some points, I would travel. Um, I remember that my second year, one of my good friends here in the States was studying in Germany. So um, for a short period of time, I went to visit her in Germany. But before just like my every day, I would take trips into central London a lot. Because Kingston was 25 minutes away from London, mm-hmm. I really like valued my time on the train. Um, I like to... I, I don't know what it is, but it was like the, seeing the countryside or seeing houses and just like wondering what the lives were like inside of those homes. Maybe that's why I'm a storyteller today, mm-hmm. um, but I would take the train a lot. So, But I would go into central London. I would go to markets within central, and of course I would go see plays. Um, so London's West End is similar to our Broadway mm-hmm. Um and I would see plays on the West End and then plays off of the West End. I would go shopping a lot. <laughs> um, and let me see. Yeah, I think that that was generally just exploring. I really mm-hmm. love to explore and sightsee even when I'm living in a place. And that was um, how I spent a lot of my time.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, why, why not, you know, especially since you had um, an extension on the amount of time you had there, uh, you know, why not explore? Um, <clears throat> so it's good that you took advantage of that. So altogether, how many years were were you in London? So I was there um,
0: about three and a half years, so close to four, but not quite four years.
1: Okay. Um, yes. Okay. And then, like, once you finished your program, you, you moved back? Um, to the States? Is that how it went?
0: Yeah. So okay. my, um, kind of. Okay. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it, was, it was, for some reason, kind of complicated um, at that time. So um, I started September 2006 and then I finished in May of 2009, but my visa didn't expire until November of mm-hmm. 2009. So in May, I think that I knew I wasn't going to stay but I continued to live in London um, even after I finished school. And then right before my visa expired, I came back to the States. And how it worked at the time was even though I finished school in May of 2009, I didn't graduate until January of 2010. Mm-hmm. Um I can't remember exactly why they did their graduation that way, but the graduation didn't take place right after I finished. Um, so I remember that I had to come back for graduation, and my grandmother and my mom came back with me. And So it was kind of like we were exploring London all over again yeah. when we came back, um, which was great, too.
1: Mm, nice. Okay. I think I, yeah, I interviewed someone else who did... She did grad school in London, and it was a mm-hmm. similar thing where her, well, her graduation her graduation ceremony was supposed to be, like, months after she actually finished her program, mm-hmm. but then it got, I think it actually got pushed back a whole year because of the pandemic. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a similar thing where, you know, she finished everything at one point, but then months later had to wait until the actual yes. graduation ceremony. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you remember what your aspirations were as far as, um, you know, because you studied theater, right? Um, yes. And obviously you have, have pivoted and now you're an author. But do you remember at the time what your aspirations were as far as um, what you wanted to do in the theater world? So that's a really good question. I
0: think, honestly, I was... I knew that I wanted a career in the arts, but I didn't know exactly what path. So what? I still didn't have a clear path on what I wanted to do within theater. I just knew that it was something it was something that I loved. So what happened for me was that my final year we were taking a playwriting course and I wrote a play that one of my professors loved. Like she could not stop talking to me about this play. Mm. And it kind of planted this thing in my mind that maybe I should have, um, maybe I should look into graduate programs that involve writing. I didn't know if it should be creative writing or playwriting, but I was thinking, well, maybe she's right that there's something here in terms of writing and I should really explore that Mm -hmm. and I can use my theater background to help me with this writing path that I'm going to take. And so that's what prompted me when I came back to the States to apply to graduate programs, um, creative writing and dramatic writing graduate programs. And if it wasn't for her, um, in the United Kingdom, I at Kingston, I don't think that I would have a path as an author today. Wow. So luckily it all worked out.
1: Yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> Going to London, I guess, really impacted you in ways that you hadn't expected. And yes. And that, um, that uh, instructor planted in that small seed that led to you delving into writing. Yeah. Yes. That's wonderful. I remember the question I meant to ask when you were talking about For Colored Girls. Um, in general, I'm wondering, like, how many other Black people you tended to come across in your Mm day-to-day when you were living in London? Yeah.
0: So most of my friends were Black, too. Um, They, What I appreciate and valued about my experience was that I met people that I would not have met staying in the United States, even if I had stayed at Central. Mm. Um, One of my best friends... To this day that I met at Kingston, she's from the Mauritius, which is a little island off of off the continent of Africa. Mm-hmm. And I felt that I mean, my say abroad experience was truly an international experience. I didn't have to even really leave London. And I just was impacted by the different people and cultures and communities that I met. But then also they you know made me part of their community too
1: Mm, yeah that's that's encouraging i'm glad that you had like other black people around you who like welcomed you in because sometimes depending on where people go it's it can be more difficult to find that sense of community and then even if you do have other black people around you you might not have enough in common to actually Mm -hmm. form any bonds but thankfully for you that that wasn't an issue
0: yeah, I'm thankful for that, too, um, because, you know, I didn't have my family there, but but having the that community there in the United Kingdom for those times that were tough for me, it made it a little bit easier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't doubt that at all. I'm sure that was incredibly helpful. You know, you mentioned how you finished your program and you were you were sure that you were going to go back to the States, but you weren't in any rush and like you just stayed, you stayed because, you know, you knew that your visa wouldn't be running out for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you consider at all, like, trying to stay in London for the long haul? Or I guess I'm, I'm curious as to what was the deciding factor in you moving back to the States as opposed to staying in London or trying to go elsewhere.
0: Yeah, so ultimately the reason was because I was homesick Hmm. like I don't know if there's like a classification of homesickness that's like like a medical classification but it was um intense for me yeah and so that was the main reason but what I do know is that like if I did not feel that intense homesickness um the way that I did I honestly think that I would be there to this day Mm -hmm. um I really loved London it impacted me and still has like I feel like London even though I haven't been back since 2010 it's like a second home Mm -hmm. um I felt home like I felt at home while I was there and if I didn't experience homesickness in that way I know that I would still be over there yeah um I do remember that I did try I, I thought about applying to a graduate program at Kingston, while I was looking for graduate programs here in the States, um, Kingston did come across my mind, like maybe I could go back. Um, but then I kept coming back to just being homesick and that experience of when things happen, not being able to just come back easily, you know. Mm-hmm. So I decided to to stay here yeah. in the States.
1: Yeah, that makes sense, especially as you as you said earlier about how much how important family is to you and how strongly mm-hmm. connected you feel to them. It makes sense uh, after years away that you felt like it was time to come back home. I feel like I already know the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. But in case uh, someone might be wondering, uh, you know, you got a degree outside of the States and then you're moving back to the States and going to grad school and all that stuff. Do you feel like you getting your bachelor's outside of the country, did you have any issues in terms of people accepting those credentials when you were going for grad school or going for jobs later on? Was that an issue at all?
0: It really wasn't. Um, in particular when I was applying for graduate programs, Mm -hmm. at least it wasn't to my knowledge. So I applied to three or four different graduate programs. Um, it was Columbia, the new school for drama and, um, Carnegie Mellon
1: Hmm.
0: and for two of those they told me that they would respond to certain things or they told me they would get back to me but they didn't and Carnegie Mellon was the only place that did Hmm. I don't know if my like degree and you know courses from Kingston had an impact Um, and then in terms of work people asked about it like for instance if I was in an interview they asked okay you studied abroad, but mainly it was curiosity. It wasn't oh, we're not going to um, give you this job because you you studied abroad. It was really you did that, you know, you mm. for a whole three and a half years.
1: So yeah, <laughs> okay, well that's good. Yeah, and I, I, I figure especially since it was the UK, it probably wouldn't have been a problem. Whereas you know, if, mm-hmm. if sometimes people if they're coming from other countries, especially if they're immigrating, a lot of times. You know, their degrees or their, their academic or professional compliments aren't as recognized when they try to come mm-hmm. over here and establish themselves. But okay. Uh, I just figured I'd ask. Um, yeah. but that's good that that wasn't an issue. So, you know, you're a, you're an author now. You write, uh, is it children and middle grade books that you write? Yes. Okay. I guess how did you end up here? How did you go from studying theater and dramatic writing to writing children's books?
0: So, like I said, I had that wonderful professor who really um, encouraged me to keep writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the play that I wrote, now that I think about it, um, had children as main characters. And I think that maybe that was always in the back of my mind. So when I applied to Carnegie Mellon and Columbia and the new school, I submitted that one play. And while I was at Carnegie Mellon studying trauma, I always had plays that focused on children. Mm-hmm. Um, my plays always had the focus on the child. And during my dramatic writing experience, I um, worked with children as well. So I kind of merged the two, so or three, so merged you know, theater with writing and then my work with children that mm-hmm. kind of just led me to this natural path of writing for children. I didn't know that I would write picture books until um, I started working at a children's library and mm-hmm. I was reading a lot of picture books. And I think that I just got into this rhythm of um, like structure and story. And so it started to come natural to me.
1: I see. Yeah. So your interest came together. Are you someone who has always had a heart for children or who really loves children? Why do you think your work is focused so much on on children?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I have always had a love for kids. So when I was younger, I would babysit my cousins a lot. Um, (laughs) And I think that one thing I picked up on is that um, we often treat kids as kids, which is, you know, important, but also it's important for children to have a voice. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that sometimes we dismiss children too much when children from as young as, you know, a a baby, they are intelligent and smart and aware. um, And I want kids to feel, you know, and to to know that they're valid. Um, And I think that, you know, as a child, I think another reason is because I also, tend to focus on my own childhood a lot. I tend to think about who I was as a child. And if I'm that same person, even though I know that I've grown and I've changed, mm-hmm. I value who I was as a kid. And I always want to honor who I was as a kid. And so I think that's another reason why I keep coming back to writing for children, um, really honoring the kids that are out there who will eventually become the adults that we are today.
1: Yeah, Wow. Yeah, I'm fully behind that uh, approach, especially in terms of respecting children, you know, as people and and, and the ideas that they have and and all that. I think that's such a powerful thing when people are able to acknowledge that children are are their own people and they have, you know, much more to offer the world and much more um, ideas about how they fit into it than people might give them credit for. In terms of your own childhood, I was thinking of this earlier earlier. you know, because you said that you knew that you wanted to work in the arts. And I'm wondering, you know, how supportive your family was of, of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, coming from Louisville and being from a black family, I just, I, I'm not trying to project anything onto onto mm-hmm. your folks, but it's just something that I'm always curious about is like how supportive your family was of the idea of you going into the arts instead of doing something that might seem more practical, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote practical, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, my mom and my grandmother have always been my biggest supporters. Um, They are the ones who put me into performance when I was a very, when I was like a preschooler. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they realized how much I would kind of latch onto it growing up. But they kind of really instilled that performance aspect of, um, you know, the arts um, into me. I remember like being in high school and my mom being avid on okay, making good grades. But also she was still supportive of my pursuit of theater, yeah. even though I didn't know what I would do with that. Um, I honestly don't remember my mom and my grandmother saying things like, you need to think of something else to do. It was more like, okay, make sure your grades are decent, but it wasn't, you know, what will you do with your theater degree? Hmm. Um, and this also could just be that maybe I tuned that out. So maybe they did say those things oh. and I just like. <laughs> Didn't pay and attention. I, yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because I remember you saying how you'd already had your mindset on studying abroad. And so, you know, maybe that was a similar thing with your pursuit pursuit of the arts. It's like, I've already made up my mind. This is what I'm going to do. Yes. So it doesn't really matter (laughs) what other people are trying to say about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, you know, you're an author now. You know, you started out pursuing theater and then transitioned into, like, writing and becoming a children's author. Do you see yourself... You splintering off or pivoting into something else um, in the future?
0: No, I um, I'm in the children's literature industry for the long haul. So mm-hmm. um, nice. I think that a lot of people say, you know, when it comes to writing for kids, it's it's about who you know and it's about luck. But also, I feel that you know my theater and writing background have prepared me to um, have a life um, as an author. So at the moment, I have my debut picture book, which is entitled Fly, which is about a young girl who pursues her double Dutch dreams, um, oh. which comes out in January of 2022. Mm-hmm. And then um, I also have three more forthcoming titles, one of which is a middle grade that also involves theater and performance. It involves Harlem. And I had the pleasure of co-writing this story with a uh, wonderful actress. Um, so I think that, you know, ultimately it's weird how things work out because mm-hmm. I'm able to use my theater background in, in the work that I do as an author. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, you know, my path. And I hope that I will have more opportunities to merge my theater background that i had from high school and the theory of theater background that i had from kingston and you know really put that into um the writing that i do in the future yeah
1: yeah i hope you have ample opportunities to do that as well as far as london goes i guess it's safe to assume that you would go back uh, if given the opportunity yeah um is there anywhere else in the world that you would like to go at some point in the future yeah,
0: so um, so definitely London. Um, about three. It time is very weird for me right now, so it might have been three, three and a half years ago. I'm mm-hmm. not sure, but um, me and my grandmother went to Montreal, and we also Ooh, went to yeah. um, Quebec City. And I have wanted to go back since we left. <laughs> um, so as soon as it is you know safe to do so, then that is, even though I've been there before. I want to explore Canada more. Mm-hmm. I definitely see Australia has always been on my bucket list. So, um, going to Australia and last month I actually had the um, the opportunity to go to the Grand Canyon. So I want to explore more of you know traveling outside the country. But then also if I can't get to other countries, exploring
1: the places within the United States that I can get to. Yeah, that sounds like a very solid list. And I was so, (laughs) I got a little happy on the inside when you mentioned Montreal and um, (laughs) Quebec City because those are the two places, my first trip ever outside of the country was to Quebec City and Montreal Mm -hmm. back when I was in high school. So (laughs) when you said that, it was like, oh yeah, someone else, you know, has been to those cities too. And um, yeah, anyway, I was just, Glad that you mentioned those places, and I hope you get to go back there as well. So for studying in London, uh, you mentioned working part-time. Do Mm -hmm. you remember if there was anything else that you did that um, helped you to be able to afford studying in London? So
0: besides working, um, you know, just having a supportive family, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm trying to think of other things. So I also... Later on in my say I brought experience. Figure um, reality is that I worked because, you know, London is, ex- is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to support yourself. So sometimes it's something as simple as walking instead of taking the bus. And London is a very walkable city. Um, Kingston was a very walkable city. And so sometimes I had to just make that decision. Okay, I'm going to walk today. And doing the things that I do here in the States. So just, you know looking at opportunities that allow me to save money instead of spending excess money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately just having a supportive family. But I think that at the time I didn't have to work, but I wanted that extra experience. And then of course also the extra money too. So um, I worked at Topshop in central London, mm-hmm. um, the, cl- the clothing store. And then later on I worked at a call center, but it was for, you know, the experience. It's really important that, like, when you study abroad to devour as much of that experience as possible. So I think that looking back, maybe I wouldn't have worked so much. And I could have had the time to do more things, like travel more within mm-hmm. the UK.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have freed up your time a little bit more. But um, like you said, at the time, you you thought that it would be best to have that I guess, work experience as well. Yes. So... Yeah. Did you have any, like, scholarships or anything like that at your disposal at the time?
0: I didn't. Not that I remember. Okay. Um, The scholarships, you know, didn't come to me, but I still wanted to study abroad, so... um, Like, I did what I had to do to make that happen, Uh, (laughs) which is, you know, at the time, this was 2006, and unfortunately, a lot of people were pushing for student loans, um, and -hmm. that was the path that I had to go down, but I would suggest, you know, doing everything within your power to get scholarships and funding and sponsors um, to sponsor that experience, but unfortunately Mm -hmm. for me, you know, the scholarships
1: did not come. I see. Yeah, and like you said, you you did what you had to do and, you know, mm-hmm. made it work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and then more generally, um, you know, do you have any tips for someone who would like to study in the UK like you did? Any, like, major takeaways or, or pieces of advice that come to mind off the top of your head?
0: Yes. Yeah, so, um... When I first arrived in London, I wasn't nervous to go to London. Um, I wasn't nervous about not knowing anyone. But I specifically remember being shown, like, my dorm and the door closing. And I was in this room by myself. And I recognized that I was not only in the room by myself, I was in the country by myself. Mm. And I did not know a soul. And then not only did I not know anyone, I didn't know how to get anywhere. Like, I could not have even... Got into the grocery store on my own from where I was. And I realized that um, I never wanted to be in that type of position again because um, it was very scary and daunting at yeah. that time to realize that I truly was, like, alone. And um, my one piece of advice is definitely to have fun throughout your whole experience. Like, just have fun and enjoy it and to, you know, take everything in. But ultimately, to know where you are, where you're going Hmm. from before you even hop on your flight. I think this also might have a lot to do with the time period. So this was 2006, and Google Maps was not even available on my phone, I think. (laughs) So um, I think I had to, like, print out a map of how to get places. But even if, you know, you think that you can rely on Wi-Fi and Google, just – Before you leave, know where you will be, um, know how to get to the grocery store, know how to get back, Um, and then also to try to connect with other study abroad students before you leave um, the United States, because that was helpful for me, too. Mm -hmm. Even just talking through email to other students who who would be in my program, by the time my program started, I felt like I knew at least a couple of people.
1: Yeah, I know. That's really... That's really great advice, trying to be uh, aware of your surroundings ahead of time, but also have, like, you know, someone to communicate with um, Mm -hmm. that you have common ground with. So it's not so uh, scary when you first arrive. I appreciate that. I only have two more questions for you. Um, First is just something I'm personally curious about. How does it feel being back in Louisville again? I know you had moved around and you were in Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh? Mm -hmm. That's where Carnegie Mellon is. Right, okay. Yes. (laughs) You're in Pittsburgh and now you're back in Louisville. So, um, you know, how does it feel to be back in Louisville? So while I've I've been back
0: home for almost two years, it'll be two years in September. I think because of this previous year, just everything feels off, you know, Mm -hmm. time feels off. But when I first came back, I felt very much, like, ready because I've always lived away from home. You know, I'm from Louisville, but when I was in elementary school and middle school, high school, I lived in North Carolina. Then I lived in London. Then I moved to Pittsburgh and lived there for almost 10 years. Mm. So I've always been away. So it felt kind of... um right at the time, which it actually ended up being right at the time yeah. um, for me to move. And also one thing that I recognized when I first moved back that was kind of special is that when I was away, I have forgotten certain things that had happened, like when I was a child, like there are days that I can be on my grandmother's porch and the moment feels exactly the same as it did, like when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, certain sounds feel the same, and so it kind of just brings you back. And I think that that has been the most, um, besides being with my family again. Yeah, um, it's been special to kind of re- reconnect with who I was when I was actually living in this city. Mm-hmm. So, but besides that, I've grown to really appreciate Louisville in a different way. Um, when I was younger, I said I would never move back here. And, <laughs> and, now, um, and now I'm just like, you know, I don't know. Will I ever move away? I'm not sure. But I've learned to appreciate, you know, just going to the waterfront and the things that I would do when I was abroad, the things I would do when I was in Pittsburgh, like I can do similar things i can still explore even
1: in my own city yeah oh yeah that's good that's good i guess there's this like perception that if you're trying to be like in the arts and have a career in the arts Mm -hmm. you need to go to like new york or Mm -hmm. some some sort of coastal city Mm -hmm. um but obviously you're doing all right and you're still you're in louisville right so that Mm -hmm. hasn't been an issue at all in terms Mm -hmm. of where you you see your career going as a children's author?
0: No, it hasn't been an issue. I think the main thing um, for that is that I recognize I didn't have to live in New York to be an author. Mm. Um, After finishing at Kingston and after finishing at Carnegie Mellon, I really wanted to move to New York City. Like, I've always loved big cities, and New York is one of those cities that I love. Um, I was there... In June, and so like that feeling never goes away. Where I think, you know, oh, I would love to live here, but um, I realized that I can really live any place and still be an author. Yeah. Um, when I was in Pittsburgh, the good, the lucky thing for me was that I was close in a sense to New York, so I could easily take like the mega bus to New York, or I could take a quick flight to New York. Here, it's a little bit harder, but I realized I didn't have to be in. New York to to still have a career as an author
1: yeah well I'm glad that you are um you know reconnecting with facets of your childhood and, and your hometown as you know it now that you're back in in Louisville and I'm glad that you're still thriving as an author and have so much to look forward to um yeah so my last question for you was where can people reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so
0: yeah, so you can reach me at my website, um, BrittanyThurman.com. Um, I'm also active on Twitter. On Twitter, you can reach me at Britney. That's J-A-N-E-E-B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y. Hmm. And I'm active on Instagram. My um, Instagram is B-R-I-T-J-A-N-E-E. That's for Janae. Also on my website, there's a way to contact me because um, I'm also happy to talk more about my study abroad um, experience.
1: Yeah, plenty of options for people to reach you, um, as you mentioned, on your website, Twitter, Instagram, It's and it's all like your name, um, yes. so it should be pretty easy to find. Okay, well, wonderful. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, that was it. I didn't have any other questions. I thought I did, uh, but I didn't. Um, Is does there happen to be anything that I didn't ask you about that you wanted to share about your study abroad experience or your journey as an artist or anything like that? Is there anything that Um, I didn't touch on?
0: I don't think so. I just wish that I remembered more. Like it doesn't (laughs) seem like it's weird because honestly, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but. Time is very fast, and it was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I had the opportunity to do the experience again of studying abroad, even though I was extremely homesick by the end, Mm -hmm. I would absolutely do it over and over and over because I think that it shaped me to be who I am today. It really um, carved even more of this love of travel within me. And then I met some of the best people uh, while I was staying abroad people that I'm friends with to this day yeah so it was 100% worth it and I would do
1: it again mm-hmm. yes okay yeah that's good no regrets very firm belief yeah. that, that was the <laughs> best decision and yeah and it, it's paid off tenfold in so many different ways uh even beyond your schooling yeah yes it so. has okay wonderful I'm, again, really glad I got the chance to talk to you. I hope that this has been enjoyable for you as well. And, uh, yeah, I guess I'll let you enjoy the rest of your evening. And I hope you have continued success in all your endeavors. I think what you're doing is really great, and um, I just hope it continues to go well.
0: Thank you. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you again for asking me to do this um, because I don't talk about my study abroad experience a lot, especially as time kind of goes on. So it's been great to Think back. Yeah, just thank you because this has been great for me too.
1: Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure. But yeah, I hope you take care. Have a great evening and and keep doing all the wonderful work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. Thank you too. Talk to you later, Brittany. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 All right, y'all. there it is thanks to Brittany for being such a wonderful guest and i hope you like how this all turned out for the rest of you listening don't forget to follow this podcast at young gifted and abroad on instagram and facebook and at yg abroad on twitter and don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on young gifted Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to Young Gifted and Abroad wherever podcasts are, and you are welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, uh, that interview has yet to be recorded. (laughs) But if all goes according to plan, then the guest of that episode will be someone from Zimbabwe who went to grad school in Germany. So you can look forward to hearing all about that in two weeks, hopefully. (laughs) But until then, thank you so much for listening and...